You are Locked On Bucks, your daily podcast on the Milwaukee Bucks, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Backs him down. Giannis into the lane. Giannis spinning. Welcome to Locked on Bucks. I'm Eric Name, Milwaukee Bucks supporter at The Athletic Wisconsin. And joining me, as always, is my good friend and the founder of BrewHoop.com, Frank Madden. Frank, how you doing, buddy? Two and two road trip, Eric. I'll take it. Um, I guess uh, after Thursday, when we last spoke after Thursday's win over the Warriors, uh, the Bucks were one and one. And at that point, I would have taken two and two. Um, I think we all probably would have thought it was more likely you could beat the Clippers on the first day of a back-to-back rather than the better nuggets uh, on the second night in, in, in Denver. But um, at least one thing that's still similar to the old bucks is that like, you know, like a lot of NBA teams, they kind of maybe lose sometimes when you expect them to win and win sometimes when you expect them to lose, <laughs> um, like sort of that bounce back type thing. Um, but obviously the baseline at this point is much higher for this team. And, <clears throat> um, you know, the LA Clippers are, are a good basketball team, right? I mean, there's no, shame and losing an overtime game to them on the road. But um, I think certainly getting that win to close out the road trip in Denver. Um, I mean, that that is uh, there's an argument for that being one of their most impressive wins of the season, which is weird to say, because it was one of the few non blowout wins they've had this year. Um, you know, I noted they they've only had two wins of that of their 10 that have been closer than 11 points. Um, this one and obviously the open eight win over the Hornets. Um, but just kind of the circumstances of this game. And um, I think, you know, it's almost, I, I hate to get, you know, bored with blowout, win, <laughs> blowout wins, um, but there was something kind of encouraging in that we saw this team kind of have to, they were playing from the front at the end of the third quarter and then kind of let things slip away a bit, but showed, I think, some good metal and especially defensively made some plays um, in order to give themselves a chance to win. And, and ultimately this game was, um, not as close as I thought it would be when it was what 109, 105 nuggets with a few minutes left. Um, a really impressive close to this game by the Bucks. Yeah, I gotta say this West Coast road trip. Um, I I wasn't sure if Bucks fans could still Bucks fan it up, and they can. They absolutely can. Um, it was just like all this anger after the Blazers game. And then this, the super high, high of beating the Warriors. And then, oh my gosh, they were terrible against the Clippers, the lowly Clippers who also happen to be a very good basketball team. Um, and then the highs again of beating like the, the Denver Nuggets. And like, I would, with so many blowouts, like you're just like, okay, like, you know, trying to feel out the fan base and how they're going to do with like new expectations. And uh, it, it was just kind of interesting to me that like, you know, like the Bucks are going to lose some games. Like even if they are good, even if we think they're like really good in a 60 win team, that means you lose 22 of them. Uh, So there are going to be just like 
off nights and things were in games where things don't go totally go, go right. And, uh, you know, things don't work perfectly and you have problems with execution and, uh, you have sloppy play and you have some late turnovers, like all those things are still going to happen. And I mean, like it, the, the thing that, that kind of stands out with, to me about this team. And I, I tweeted it out after the game was I, I was struck by, Listening to Giannis post game against the Warriors talk about how, you know, we wanted to get back on the right track. And I mentioned it after that game and it was like, dude, you lost a game. Like you weren't that far off the track. Like the, the Blazers are a good team. And it was kind of the same thing tonight that, you know, like in talking to Brooke Lopez and talking to, to Chris Middleton, to Eric Bledsoe, to Giannis, like all of them thought like, you know, like we kind of let one slip away against the Clippers and like we wanted to write that as quickly as we could. And that's why we really wanted to get this game. And it was just like, you know, like that's not how every NBA team talks. Like there, there are plenty of NBA teams that, and I mentioned that moment, you mentioned that moment as well, that 109, 105 spot where, you know, like you played this great game. You have this insane third quarter where Brooke Lopez goes six of seven from three. He's hitting shots from 35 feet out. Like, it's just totally bonkers. And somehow the Nuggets are still in the game. Somehow the Nuggets take the lead, a four-point lead with 536 left. Mike Boonholzer has to call timeout. There's plenty of teams that at altitude, on a back-to-back, to wrap up a West Coast road trip, there's plenty of teams that just say, you know what? Not our night. Like You know, we, we really put it together for the first 42 minutes. But, you know, we just didn't have the legs or it, it just wasn't meant to be. This other team is, is just playing better than us. And, you know, we, we can't we can't get it done. And that's not what this team did. <laughs> they, they somehow managed to pull out that game. Uh, they somehow managed to give up just five points the rest of the way for the Nuggets to have their total at 114. And the Bucks score 16 on top of that to go to 121-105. Or, excuse me, 121-114. Um, but... It was just wildly impressive. And I asked Giannis about it after the game. And he said, well, you know, it says a lot about our team. We do not want to be a good team. We want to be a great team. A great team, no matter what, comes back. You've got to keep fighting and keep playing within your game plan. You hope things are going to work out. You hope you can knock down shots. And that's what we did. And, I mean, that just kind of speaks to me about this team thus far. And, again, you know, we are only, what now, 10 – 13 games into the season we're 13 games into the season and you know like you think about this team and you know you don't want to let your imagination run wild but there's i think there's a lot to be said for this team after the west coast road trip coming out 10 and 10 and 3 that to me speaks like it it says like this is a really good basketball team like you at altitude on a back-to-back you shouldn't be able to really put together this type of performance and they did. And I just think this is this is a sign that, you know, if you had any questions or you wanted to use all the qualifiers about not having a good win, uh, if you wanted to talk about the home heavy schedule, you want to talk about bad teams that they had at the start, you know, they just went two and two on a road trip where they played four good basketball teams and they won two of them. And that says a lot about, you know, how hard it can be in the NBA some days. And this team being able to win two is significant. Yeah, I mean, you're knocking off basically, you know, a few of the toughest road games that you're going to have all season right away. And, um, you know, they're they're different ways of measuring 
opponent strength of you know strength of schedule um there there have been a, i know i saw some of the weekend saying that the bucks actually had played the actually the most difficult strengths of schedule of any team i think there i saw at least one other one that that had them a fair bit lower than that but um but either way i mean the bucks have not just gotten fat on on easy competition and i think you know again like we've talked about all you can do is kind of you know play the games in front of you right whether you're a player or a team all you can do is just sort of take care of business and the Bucks have con- basically consistently just absolutely laid the wood to bad teams. Um, they have laid the wood to some good teams too. And they have been competitive with basically every, basically every night. I mean, the Blazers game, which was also a competitive game in the fourth quarter before it got away from them a little bit. Um, I mean, for that to be the only game where, you know, it really felt like things like like you you know you just really didn't have your you know you, your ability to win. You really didn't have a chance down the stretch to win. Um, out of thirteen games, when you've played basically all the you know pretty much all the teams that you feel like could win championships. You know, I mean, I don't know if you at this point want to put like Houston and like Utah in that that category at this point, but um, you know, certainly with uh, Golden State, Toronto. Um, Boston, you know, Philly, probably maybe not. Uh, we'll see Jimmy Butler. There's a Jimmy Butler discussion to be had here with the, the big trade they made over the weekend. But, you know, you kind of have gone out and, and competed at a really high level. And, you know, even in games where you haven't had your A game, whether the Bucks have, you know, missed a bunch of shots or they've given up a bunch of threes, um, they've managed to be pretty consistently good. Um, and uh, and that, I think, speaks, of volume, speaks volumes about, you know, especially Mike Budenholzer and the coaching staff. Because, I mean, yeah, this t- a lot of these guys have been playing together for a long time, but um to come out and immediately put kind of put it all together the way they have uh, on a night in night out basis and you know playing like a veteran like team that just expects to win as as you were alluding to i mean the, the mindset is is obviously very different and i think that's really impressive and um maybe we get into tonight's game a bit, in a bit more detail um you know this game uh, you kind of look at the numbers. Bucks put up a 126 offensive rating. They gave up almost a 119 defensive rating. So and obviously, this was a, <laughs> a, a this was not a, a game where the, the defenses um, you know rose to the occasion. Um, I thought both teams also just put on a pretty great shot making clinic. Um, this was bas- like this was basketball on cocaine. Like that game was absolutely <laughs> insane. Like there's no way that Brook Lopez should be able to do what he did in the third quarter and it still be a game. And then that not even like just everything that happened in the, it, it was just total lunacy. Everything about it. Like every time you thought the Bucks were running away with it, the Nuggets would have answers. Every time you thought the Nuggets were going to run away with it, the Bucks had an answer. Like I, that was one of the crazier just more fun absolute lunatic just it was lunacy like teams shouldn't be able to make that those type of shots like i didn't even think either of those teams played that bad defense but these are two top five defenses yeah. and it was just a shot making clinic yeah i mean denver's defense i'm gonna be really curious to see how they evolve over the course of the season i mean they are a team that yeah. you know i think i think even mike malone was pretty like open about basically like just trying to be an average defensive team this year. I don't think they were really even thinking they could be a great defensive team. And um, I mean, especially interesting with Jokic, I mean, they do a lot of very kid like stuff defensively as far as like being super aggressive on the ball. Um, 
And, you know, there were times where it was kind of like, well, shouldn't the Bucks of all teams be like ready for this, given that they basically practiced <laughs> against this kind of stuff for years? Um, and I, even the Bucks at times, you know, like had a hard time kind of managing with it, uh, managing it. Um, but obviously, at the end of the day, I mean, they scored a ton of points. So difficult, difficult to say that the defense worked um, on them. You know, Bucks shoot 17 out of 34 from three. Uh, the Nuggets 18 out of 38. Um, but yeah, I mean, uh, you know, Lopez going eight out of 13. I mean, he had basically half the bucks threes. He was just, you know, bombing. It was, it was a lot of fun. Um, Jokic and Millsap combined nine out of 16 from three between the two of them and, um, started nine for 12. Like that was yeah. kind of what, like down the stretch, I kind of killed him was that, you know, those two started nine for 12, I think either in the first half or just at the start of the third quarter. Yeah. And then those, those guys missing their final four obviously helped out. Yeah. I'm Millsap 23 in the first half. And I think Marcus Johnson basically alluded to, he made a comment he said, you see him get 23 in the first half. There's no, there don't, don't assume he's going to get 30 or something to that effect, which was kind of funny. Cause it was basically, mm-hmm. he was alluding to the, the possibility such likelihood of Millsap kind of, you know, basically going MIA in the second half. And um, sure enough, he doesn't score again until the final minute when um, he basically took Giannis baseline and, and dunked on Giannis with the game kind of, I don't want to say it was out of reach, but it was, you know, where the Bucks were kind of in like, don't foul mode. A They're little up bit. five. Yeah. yeah. I mean, obviously Giannis d- didn't read, didn't read it particularly well, but um, you know, at that point, obviously they were, they were up and, and in control of the game. Um, and, and yeah, I mean, Jokic, um, I think the bit, the biggest number, I think defensively for the Bucks. Well, two numbers I think really stand out for me. Um, one, Jokic six turn tur- six assists versus three turnovers. Uh, we saw him get a triple double in the first half in Milwaukee a year ago. He has just destroyed the Bucks with his passing. And tonight they turned him basically into a three point shooter, and he was good. He had four out of eight. I thought he was um, going to do it early, like the to start the game. He had a couple like really nice passes, and I was like, oh. Here it goes again. Yeah. Like they're going to let him do it. And yeah, I agree. They just turned him into like a pick and pop guy from three. Yeah. And in the grand, and, and I, I didn't think he, I mean, he obviously had some good looks, but it also wasn't like he was just, you know, like some of the Al Horford looks in the Boston game were yeah. just like, you know, nobody within 15 feet of him. And that really wasn't the case here. I mean, Lopez, especially as the game went on, actually got some decent contests on him, but he just kept hitting him. Um, and Millsap kind of similarly, it wasn't like he, just was like continually left open on pick and pops or something like that. Like, I mean, he was kind of just like getting the ball and there was like a little bit of a kind of dare, dare type sentiment, <laughs> I think too, yep. the way Giannis was kind of shading him. He wasn't like, you know, totally off him, but you know, he was not playing him to be a guy who was going to hit five out of eight threes either. Right. Um, so you kind of, they had kind of tip your hat nights game a little bit from, from, from three. Um, but the important thing was the rest of these guys, the other number I want to highlight, Jamal Murray, 0 for 1 from 3 tonight, 7 out of 16 from the field, just 14 points on 16 shots. And I thought Bledsoe in particular had another like yes. Derek Bledsoe shutdown corner type game, which he had basically yep. three. I, I'd have to look at the, in the LA game. I don't think, I'm not sure how much even, you know, his guy really got off big time in the LA game. But, you know, Lillard, Curry, and obviously Murray is not in Lillard and Curry's um, class. And Murray's actually has not shot the bell well this year at all, which is crazy given he had a 48-point game. But he's only came in this game shooting 30% from three. But, I mean, to deny him even any shots from three is really impressive. And I just thought, you know, they do so much work with dribble handoffs. And, um, you know, maybe not like just, tons of like you know super super high pick and roll where you can pull up for three um 
but again, like credit to Bledsoe, given he was, you know, generally guarding Murray most of the night. Um, I thought he did a great job making him work and forcing him basically into a mid-range jump shooter, which obviously is what the Bucks do. And, um, you know, again, Bledsoe had a kind of, the, the, the fourth quarter for him was kind of like Eric Bledsoe sort of, you know, his his it was kind of basically like the perfect summary of what Bledsoe is good and bad what the good and bad of Eric Bledsoe um you know he made a bunch of defensive plays he made also a couple of really questionable (laughs) offensive decisions he blew a couple of short shots but then you know ultimately he made some really big plays that that helped the Bucks win this game finished with 12 points um eight rebounds, three assists, three steals and a block plus 14 on the night in 30 minutes. Um, so it was, it was definitely a, a really, a really fun game, especially, I mean, I don't know how much people remember if they tried to block out last year's game, in which the bucks had the nuggets dead to rights and, and Jason Terry ends up fouling Jamal Murray on a three, basically yeah. on the last play of the game to lose. Um, yeah, this was, um, this was like a a, definitely a a great tonic for um you know saturday's loss which we'll talk a little bit more about in la and certainly especially given you know eight straight losses in denver for the bucks i mean there's it's not it's not without reason the nuggets um obviously have been a high scoring team in in the past few years this year they're a legitimately very very good basketball team um and you know second game of back-to-back you know going from west coast to east coast this is one of those games that really is legitimately a scheduling loss typically. Um, but for the Bucks to come out and, you know, I thought look like a team that, as you were saying, expects to win every game. Um, I thought this was really a great, um, a great kind of, sh- you know, a great kind of showing for them. And um, I know there are a bunch of kind of guys, we talked a little about Lopez and Bra- and Bledsoe, really kind of all the Bucks starters, I think, deserve at least some conversation because they all were kind of big in their own ways and had sort of interesting storylines to their games. But um yeah, just man, what a what a performance to to kind of end this this uh, road trip on a winning note. Yeah, I just thought you know we mentioned that one hundred nine, one hundred five kind of point, and I mean that that kind of serves as the fulcrum in this game. But you know, out of that, the the Bucks struggle to get a whole lot going offensively like Bledsoe I think missed like a floater and then uh they got Ursan a good look from three he missed that and it was like oh are the Bucks gonna be able to do that and then Bledsoe has those two defensive plays back to back where he gets a steal goes in for the layup then uh after he gets a block on Jamal Murray as he like forced him into the mid-range and then he gets another layup, uh, and then I think he finds Giannis for a dunk or a layup a little bit later on, and it was. And then obviously again he missed like another floater, and I don't know like he. I thought it's he's just unbelievably fascinating to me as uh, you know like someone who tries to analyze the game of basketball and like talk to people about kind of what, what you're seeing on the floor, because like those were winning plays. Like he just in that moment, like the bucks needed to get some stops and get themselves back in the game. And just in a matter of, I think 90 seconds, Bledsoe had a steal, a block and two buckets and they were tied at one Oh nine. And it was just like, Oh no, that, that was an and one. So they go up one, one ten, one Oh nine. And it was just like, 
okay, that's Eric Bledsoe. And then, like you said, like there were some of those other moments of Eric Bledsoe where it was like, uh, was that floater a great shot? Uh, probably not. Uh, you know, was the steal, the steal was great, but do you go in for the <laughs> layup? Like, is, yeah, that was is that a good idea? Like, uh, probably not. And again, it, he's just fascinating because I think in the aggregate, especially this year under Mike Boonholzer, um, you mentioned, I mean, that's four tough road trips, four tough covers in Lillard, Steph, Lou Williams, and then Jamal Murray tonight. And I obviously wrote about it at the Athletic Wisconsin at the start of the year. Like he was kind of struggling to adapt to the new responsibilities and the ideas. And now he's, I think very quickly, he's kind of picked it up. And I think he just kind of goes with it where he's like, all right, I'm going to get over the top of every screen. I'm going to force this guy into the mid range and we're going to make this really difficult on him. And I just think he's done such an incredible job at that. Uh, and like, obviously with Bledsoe, like there are those lapses where, you know, sometimes in judgment, it's not quite perfect offensively, but you know, like, and we can talk about Giannis's struggles a little bit uh, from this weekend, but like Giannis wasn't beating people off the dribble these two games. Like obviously, there were highlights where, you know, he'll he'll get the Euro step and a dunk and he had a, a number of those tonight. But like overall, there there were some struggles, you know, getting past Paul Millsap. There was tonight, like I mean, he had which he had Mason Plumley on him on like a side ISO'd and like couldn't get past him. And it was just like, huh, that's kind of weird. And like, it, it does look like Giannis is struggling for his flow. So, you know, late in games, they go to a guy that can bend the defense a little bit. And obviously we know of Chris Middleton and uh, Malcolm Brogdon and their inability to kind of blow by people without the defense already being bent for them. So that means, okay, Eric Bledsoe, like we're going to give you the reins and we're going to let you try to take control here. And, you know, you kind of have to live with whatever that ends up being because we know Bledsoe's limits and we know that, you know, sometimes those floaters aren't going to go in or maybe he's going to take an ill-advised jump shot. Like all, all those things are in play. So I don't know. He's just fascinating to me because I think he's been fantastic this year. Like, I just think straight up fantastic. I think those those lapses in judgment, both offensively and defensively, I think have been curtailed. Um, they're not they're not gone. And Mike Boonholzer was quick to remind me of that uh, before the Clippers game when I asked about it. He said those lapses aren't gone. Like they're still there, but there aren't as many. And I, I just think Bledsoe's been so great this year. And I mean, I'm I'm curious how you feel. Like I. To me, it doesn't even feel like an argument, but I just felt like there was so much hate going his way after the Clippers game that it was like, am I seeing things a little bit differently? Yeah, I mean, he's still like, well, he still has like kind of those those moments where he will, you know, have a lapse and lose sight of somebody. But then like when he's engaged and and I think just the level of engagement and the frequency of engagement has just been so high for most of this year, especially relative to what we saw last year. Um that that obviously makes makes a huge difference, uh, and um, yeah, I, I think it's going to be really interesting because his um, he is obviously not a good pull up three point shooter, and that is I think something that gets papered over a lot more in the current Bucks offense, just because they don't need him to be really even like I mean like I mean shout out to Malcolm Brogdon. I mean with with the exception of the other night when he was bad. Um, you know, he's generally been like playing really well. He had another 20 point night tonight, hit a huge three that gave the Bucks the lead that they wouldn't. Um, after a really steal, 
after his steal, he got the steal and then trails behind and gets the three. Just a, a, a winning play sequence. Yeah, and Brogdon is a guy that I think, you know, we talked a little about early in the season, you know, the questions about like, you know, like they were interested in a really small sample. They were much better without him um, than with him. Uh, but he has played at a really high level for a while. And now the last three games on this road trip, um, 20 points on 14 shots, 23 points on 16 shots um, in L.A., 20 points on 13 shots tonight to go with six boards, five assists, a couple steals. Um, he still has not missed a free throw this year. That's nice. Um, he's shooting over 40% from three. He went three out of three tonight. Uh, and I think the big thing with, with Brogdon is just like, he just so often will, like there's just not a lot going on. And then he can just sort of like get his shoulders square, like, and just sort of pass <laughs> a defender. And when he does that, he's got enough strength and, you know, kind of ambidexterity that he just is finishing. And he missed a couple of those tonight, but um, he's just, really good he's just been so good at getting to the rim and obviously when he's hitting 40 percent of his threes and doing that um that's obviously a, a big thing and with him it's just you know decisiveness right like that's the thing we always talk about with malcolm like as long as he's not kind of over dribbling and just sort of putting his head down and just making plays that's that's you know him at his best and um i think with blood you know i think i kind of jumped jumped away from blood so for a second but i think it's going to be interesting you know ultimately i think for blood so the real test will be in the playoffs especially after last year um and I think, yep. again, like if he plays at this level defensively, you know, you don't need him to be scoring 20 points a game. And we're seeing that now. Um, it's really about him just kind of cutting out some of the bad shots and just being really engaged defensively. Um, you know, again, I think you'd always wish that he was a better kind of off the dribble jump shooter. Um, but with the number of guys the Bucks have that can go get buckets, that's obviously less of a concern. Um, but it obviously does like late in games kind of does like raise obvious questions. Um, you know, like what, what play do you call, um, you know, with Giannis as well. And some of his limitations shooting, uh, obviously that, that we've been seeing of late in particular, um, you know, you can't maybe do as much as you'd like, or be as direct as you'd like maybe at times. Um, but you know, look, I, I think for as much as Giannis has had some issues, especially shooting, I, I still have no qualms with just giving the ball and letting him attack uh, on offense. Um, and I don't think guys sagging off necessarily like, you know, <laughs> means that he can't be effective because we're seeing him still do a lot of damage. Um, but yeah, I, I think, you know, again, the, those two guards, um, you know, especially in these wins, the, the Denver win and the golden state win. I mean, the, the, the tales of, of Bledsoe and Brogdon have gone a long way to explaining the Bucks' success, especially Bledsoe's defense and, and Brogdon being just a consistent, you know, kind of complimentary scorer, especially off the dribble, but also being able to knock down threes. Yeah. And I wanted to highlight that Brogdon sequence just because, I mean, it, it was so, it, it was this really nice encapsulation of how this team is so incredibly different than last year's team, because you saw Jokic get the ball and he had it over on the left wing and he was going to back down his defender. And last year his defender would have been John Henson, uh, Giannis. I'm not really sure, but it would have been someone smaller and he would have been able to back him down and get him to a spot where he wanted him and probably finish. And today he tries to do the exact same thing. He backs down his defender. He backs down his defender. Well, it happens to be Brooke Lopez. And Brook Lopez isn't going to concede an easy one, so he doesn't do that. Uh, Giannis comes from the backside to trap a little bit to help out to double him. And when he did that, Jokic opted for a 
three foot bounce pass. Like it was entirely too tight of quarters um, and kind of speaks to, you know, some of the, the things that Nikola Jokic can, can struggle with at times, but he makes the pass. Brogdon steals it. Uh, and I'm looking at the play by play right now. Brogdon steals it with 150 left on, on the clock. And uh, he, Jokic kind of tracks him down, keeps him from going up the floor. Another nugget kind of, gets into his face a little bit and ultimately he he tosses it up to Giannis Dedekumbo out at half court and Giannis dribbles it up, gets to about the three-point line and decides to attack, looks back, finds Malcolm and there's a three and nine seconds later, 115-112 on a Brogdon three, Nuggets called timeout. And I mean, I, I just think, you know, one do they even force Jokic to pass in that situation? It seems unlikely. Two, do you get a steal out of it? Three, in a million years, does a Bucks player ever feel confident enough with under two minutes left to take a three nine seconds into the shot clock? It, none of those things would have happened. Like it, to me, it was just like this play where it was like, that's the difference. Like if you're trying to figure out what the difference is between this year's team and that last year's team, like you're seeing the the effect of the personnel that they have uh, with Brooke Lopez, you're seeing the effect of the philosophy that they have, and you're seeing the effect of the confidence that they have. And I just thought it, it was such a, a huge play and just just monumental. So I, I thought that was big. Uh, we haven't really talked about Chris Middleton. He had a, a quieter night. He's He's had some bad passes and some bad turnovers in the last two games. But, I mean, on the night, he ends up 8 for 12, 3 of 5 from 3, 21 points, 5 rebounds, 2 assists. And uh, we haven't seen much of it, but choo-choo, we get to take one more ride on the Tough Shot Express. And he he even mentioned after the game, he's like, I made that shot tougher than I needed to be. And I think he's probably upset with himself that, you know, he got Jokic in that ISO in – uh, we we've already seen this year where you know like where he pulled Dennis Kantner out and really like gave himself a, a full head of steam there. He decided not to do that and got himself into a spot where he needed to take a leaning off balance, um, just fade away, just a tough tough shot and that thing hung out hung up in the air like a tony snell three and all of a sudden drops through and the bucks go up 117 112 and you you just have a contribution on a quiet night from chris middleton that he's able to do that he gets two free throws after that seals the game for him and and that's pretty much that and yeah like you said by the end of the game you have all five starters making a huge contribution it's the first time since i think 2015 that the Bucks have four players score 20 plus Giannis with 22 Middleton with 21 Lopez with 28 Brogdon with 20. We talked about Bledsoe making a huge impact. And I mean, the, <laughs> the quotes post game on Brooke Lopez were, were fantastic. Uh, just, you know, Steph Curry, Clay Thompson, Brooke Lopez. That's, that's how, that's how you have to, to visualize them. But I mean, I, I mean, I struggle to think of a shooting performance like that from a seven-footer outside of Dirk Nowitzki. And that was the name Middleton brought up when I was like, have you ever seen a seven-footer get face-guarded like that? And he said, no. He's like, well, actually, probably Dirk. And that's what, like, Mason Plumley was picking Brooke Lopez up at half court in the third quarter. At half court. 
and it was just like yeah i mean i guess he's that hot like you probably have to at this point it was insane it was absolutely unbelievable Yeah, I mean, uh, as a Bucks fan, I was really frustrated at some of the shot making that the Nuggets were, <laughs> that some of the shots <laughs> they were making. But then, realistically, I'm guessing Nuggets fans are feeling pretty much the same um, about Lopez because he was just sort. Of, I mean, he's been she's been shooting them from way out, really all season. Yeah. So it's not like you know he's a guy who shoots them right at the line and, and this crazy night, he decided to go further out, but um, obviously you hit eight out of 13. I mean, that is a, you know, career night from, from three for most, most everybody. And especially for Lopez. I mean, it, it really is remarkable to think this is a guy that a few years ago, like didn't shoot and literally never shot threes at all. Uh, and then, yep. um, you know, a couple of years ago uh, in, in uh, Brooklyn sort of adds that to his game under Kenny Atkinson, former Mike Budenholzer assistant. Uh, and then, you know, goes to LA, continues doing that, but really kind of had kind of an under the radar season in LA, really didn't play much in fourth quarters. And um, obviously coming to Milwaukee, I mean, he's certainly um, right there for, you know, best bargains of the off season. You know, to think that you're paying him a little over $3 million and getting the kind of, impact that they've been getting really on both ends i mean again he's gonna have limitations in certain matchups defensively i thought this was an interesting one given that both lopez and Jokic are obviously not you know super mobile guys um but you know you, you come out you come into a game like this and you see Jokic on the other side i mean you know if you if you hear that lopez is going to outscore Jokic, you know 28 to 20 and you know, Jokic wouldn't have a huge game um, in terms of sort of the other the other you know sides of, of things that he can do. You know, in terms of the playmaking and the other stuff. Um, you know, you'd be pretty pretty happy with that. So, um, yeah, I mean, Lopez. It's funny because I mean, you know, there's going to be nights where he really doesn't make many shots at all, um, and then there's nights where he just does this, and it's like he's just kind of an X factor um, that you know is is really fun. And the good news is, I mean, <laughs> team teams. You know, again, like there's always that question, right? Like. You know, John Henson has made like a shocking number of threes. I think I'm sure John Henson's three point rate, his three point percentage might be higher than Brooke Lopez's right now, but he hit another one tonight. It was just below Um, the other time when I saw it, but they're very close. They're very close. close. But, you know, teams now, I mean, have to play Brooke Lopez, you know, like that. They They have to play to John Henson. I was talking to John Henson after the game tonight and I was talking to him about like Brooke. And then I was like, but like you hit a trail three tonight because Henson hit it a trail three, which is just an insane sentence to say. Uh, but like he, he hit two threes against the Clippers. And I'm like, what, like how big of an impact is he's like, yeah, man. He's like, I'm telling our guards, like, Hey, you got that lane because of me. Like they're covering me in the corner. And I was like, just wait. So there's John Henson gravity now. And he's like, yeah, man. And yeah, it's a real thing. Yeah. It's, um, it's, it's pretty crazy. By the way, Middleton, you look at Milton's game log. So he he's continued to shoot the three ball pretty well, um, which obviously is is essential. But um, he hadn't had a game where he, he hit better than 50% from the field since basically before the Toronto game against Orlando. That was on October 27th. So um, that's like eight games ago. <laughs> uh, so for him to hit eight out of 12 tonight, it was kind of a felt like a little bit of a Marine reversion game. He kind of was due to have a more effective scoring night. Um, had had only one 20 point game since the Philly game on October 24th. Um, so for him to kind of come through tonight with, you know, hit a couple of clutch free throws as well. 
Um, very welcome sign to see Middleton kind of getting back a little bit on track against obviously an opponent where you needed all the firepower you could get. Um, but yeah, I mean, Lopez, um, you know, I, I, this is one of those nights you got to, you know, really talk about him because there are going to be a lot of nights where he gets lost in the shuffle or he doesn't, you know, fill up the box score. Um, and I think the good news though, is that, you know, he, he now is at the point where he has significant gravity. Um, and, and again, that's one of the beauties of, of Bud's system is it seems like even a guy like Henson who, I mean, credit to Henson, he's making threes, but you know, really like a defense yeah. probably doesn't, shouldn't feel that bad about giving up a John Henson three in the grand scheme of, you know, uh, what your options are against a team as talented as the bucks, but, um, you know, teams, teams, teams adapt right and if they think everybody's a threat to shoot to shoot then they defend that way um and maybe that's maybe that's a good segue for talking a little bit about Giannis because he had a very like weird weekend um and I think that kind of kind of befitting of his season in a lot of ways because he continued to have just tons and tons of dunks um I tweeted out he came into this game on pace for over 360 dunks which for context he only dunked 161 times all of last season. So the number of dunks he's getting is just kind of out of control. And he's, I think on this road trip in general, there were just a lot of plays he makes where it's just like, what are you going to do with this guy? I mean, like even against Portland where he didn't really play particularly well, like just like backing down to the post and just turning around and dunking on guys. I mean, he, he obviously is just a physical force, unlike really anybody else in the league. Uh, And tonight, I mean, he had 11 out of 16 and, he even hit like a few mid-range shots as well. Um, but another kind of, you know, he hit another, uh, missed another three. Uh, I think what he missed one or two threes against the Clippers um, continues to look just, you know, completely lacking in confidence from three. It's almost like he kind of talks himself into shooting like one pull up three, which are always the shots that are also the most well contested. Like he never just shoots an open three and half court, it seems, um, which just doesn't, really seem like an ideal thing and it seems like he's very clearly feeling like he has to come in and settle for long twos which um you know again like you know we don't need to explain the math to you guys like it's not good math um even if he hits them um so that's a concern and then probably even the thing that's been stood out the most the last couple of games he goes five out of 11 from the line against the clippers which you know in an overtime loss kind of stands out right i mean that that's that's potentially the difference in the game there obviously tonight oh for five from the line um so the last couple games five out of 16 he looks just i mean he he really stunk from the line in the preseason kind of got things going a bit you you tweeted out i mean he 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 had was making free throws really before the last couple games seemed like he was kind of turning the corner and then just looked completely spooked the last couple of games and um you know again like we're, we're we're kind of focusing on the negative leading with that because you know Giannis is spooked and still puts up 22 points on 16 shots, nine boards, eight assists, couple steals, a block tonight. Yesterday, even bigger numbers, 27, 18, um, what, four assists, five steals, two blocks. Um, Especially, I mean, he had one spectacular block play and then, um, you know, just that Euro step dunk on, on Gallinari uh, was, was crazy. But um, yeah, I mean, I think the, the theme that we've been talking about for really for the last few weeks of like, Giannis is like insane and does things that nobody else does, but also he still isn't quite like we still really haven't. I don't, I don't know. Maybe like the Sacramento game, maybe a couple other games that weren't close. We saw sort of like a game Giannis for stretches, but 
for the most part, it still feels like there is untapped Giannis to be had. And, and I'm not even like thinking of him like hitting 40% of his threes, just like do what you did last year, right? Where he was a 31% three point shooter, you know, last year when he's a 75 plus percent free throw shooter, right? Like just, just get back to what you were last year from a shooting perspective, which was not great. <laughs> and combine that with the space he's getting and just like the sheer amount of like dunks he's throwing down and um, you know, what he continues to do defensively. Um, you know, the ceiling of this team gets even higher, which is, is pretty, pretty fun to think about, but um, definitely a weird, a weird continuing sort of theme with Giannis where at least tonight he only had three turnovers and he had six last, last game, which again, his turnovers have been kind of out of control as well. But so, um, you know, the downside is Giannis could probably be better. The upside is, Giannis probably will be better at some point this season and that's that's a that's a good sign because obviously his you know I tweeted yesterday his baseline like you know late in the fourth quarter I tweeted like this was like felt like a d plus game from Giannis like he couldn't get around Gallinari for the life of him most of the game um you know turned the ball over a lot missed a bunch of free throws um but there's still just so many plays where it's just like yeah like then he does that and that and you know he has like six dunks or whatever. And it's just like, how do you stop this guy? I think a lot of it's because like, even when he's not doing like the crazy Giannis ball handling skill stuff, like he can still function as a really good, just like big man, like role man, like post up dunker guy, um, which, you know, is, is gives him just such a high floor uh, in his rebounding. Obviously he's been huge this year too. So, you know, at worst you have an athletic rim finisher who rebounds and plays great defense. (laughs) So, you know, we're totally spoiled. Um, But still, I think, you know, it bears mentioning like, you know, if Giannis is over five, like I was a little nervous in the final minute there, he had a nice dump off the blood. So for kind of the game clinching dunk. Um, But I was definitely nervous about like, is Giannis going to get fouled and have to shoot free throws when he's been struggling from the line? Yeah. I mean, I, and and again, I understand how crazy this can sound. I I think he's lost at the moment. Like I I just don't really feel like he has much of a a sense of the flow of this offense and kind of where his spots are. And obviously I, I wrote about that at the athletic Wisconsin earlier this week. Um, or maybe it was last week, but I, I've written about it, and Giannis has said as much uh, to me. And you know, he thought after the the Kings game, he had kind of figured it out and kind of knew what he wanted to get into, and you know, kind of the spots that he he wanted to have. And it does just feel like, and again, like I understand how crazy this sounds when he's averaging the best per thirty six numbers of his career in just about every category, um, but. I do feel like he, it's it's a really interesting dynamic within this offense because, you know, the whole thing is predicated on everyone can shoot, everyone can handle, everyone can pass. Well, that first thing Giannis can't do. Like he, he can't shoot. And it, he's he can obviously find ways around it. It, it just feels like, you know, while the, the degree of difficulty on shots for uh, like Chris Middleton and Malcolm Brogdon has gone down considerably, I feel like the degree of difficulty for Giannis shots is still very high. Like it, the, the fact that, you know, we're always saying like, man, Giannis is the only guy that can do that. It's like, well, yeah, but also he's needing to do that to score. And like, I don't know, it's just this like, this weird dynamic where like I, I don't feel like he's totally been unleashed in any way. Um, and it just feels like there there's times where he's trying to figure out 
exactly how to do it and uh, exactly how to score. And, you know, when you think about like Chris Middleton, it's like, okay, well, I can run off some screens and I can get a catch and shoot look here. I can get into a pick and roll. I can get my mid range um, and that pick and roll. I could also make a pass and that pick and roll. I could get to the rim. Um, I, I could hit a three off the dribble. Like I can do all these things. And for Giannis to score, it's like, I'm going to drive at this guy. And, you know, sometimes you, you run into guys that can defend you pretty well. And he's had a number of those on that on this West Coast road trip. I, I thought, ironically enough, the Warriors game was probably when he looked the best on this road trip. Uh, the Portland game, I thought El Farouk Aminu did a really nice job on him. Uh, something that he would never admit because he doesn't think anyone makes him struggle or defends him well. Um, but, you know, I, I thought Al Farouk Amino did a nice job in, against Portland. Um, I thought Gallinari, ironically enough, did a really nice job. Like, I don't necessarily think of him as uh, as a Giannis stopper or really like a big stopper on defense no matter what, but I thought he did a great job. Uh, and then, you know, throughout this, this Nuggets game, I thought Paul Millsap made him really work. I thought Mason Plumlee made him work at times. Like, it, it just is... It, it's really interesting to me. I, I will just say that. Like, uh, It's crazy to think that a guy putting up the best per 36 numbers of his career, who was previously an all-NBA player, um, is is still trying to find his way. He's still trying to figure out exactly uh, how to get shots in this offense. And it's going to be I, – I don't think it. I don't think it's going to just like happen overnight. Like I don't think it's going to be like, I got it now. Like, he's going to have to go through some struggles and he's going to have to go through figuring out exactly how he does this. And that's just incredibly interesting to me because he's performing like an MVP at the moment. <laughs> um, I, what those two things shouldn't be able to make sense at the same time. Yeah. I mean, you look at his shot distribution, so he's shooting a career best 56% of his shots at the rim He's hitting a career best 78% at the rim. Last year, he was at 76%. This is going into tonight. Um, last year, he shot 45% of his shots uh, at the rim. So that number's gone up by over 10%. Um, but everything, everywhere else, from 3 to 10 feet, he's at 28%. Last year, he was at 36%. 28% is worse since his rookie year. Um, 10 to 16, he's at 29%. Last year, was 35%. So it's the worst number since his rookie year. 16 feet to the three-point line, he's at 33%. Last year, he's at 34%. That's the worst number since his rookie year. And obviously, the three-point percentage right now means that 8% from three, which is shockingly the worst number of his career, of course. Um, but, and also, I mean, we commented on it. It's just, like, weird. Like, for a guy who, like, is being dared to shoot three is like, it seems like the only threes he shoots are like pull-ups, like where he gets into it so slowly that you can see it coming. And like, they end up getting like actually contested reasonably well. And man, there was that one where Middleton had a, had the ball on the right wing. And I think he had Jamal Murray on him. And like, he like swiveled his hips to start a post up and Millsap came flying at him to get it out of his hands. And I mean, Giannis had, 15 feet like 10 feet it was so significant and it was just like the ultimate i effing dare you to take this three because i know you won't and it was just like man that is it like it feels like the only threes he's comfortable with are ones that he gets to dribble into and like he just isn't 
quite there yet to think like, oh, catch and shoot threes. These are supposed to be the easiest ones. I should hit these. And he just won't. Like He'll take those dribbles and set himself up. But I mean, essentially, it's setting yourself up for failure. Like He'll set himself up to get a shot contested and then he'll finish short and he'll ultimately miss it. Yeah. I mean, you're just looking at his numbers. He's um, he is one for one on corner threes this year. <laughs> I think it was that one against the Knicks. Like yep. he doesn't even really try yep. corner threes. Um, and obviously part of this, cause he's not, you know, your best player generally isn't standing in the corner. Um, but you know, finding a shorter shot is obviously really not been something he's even looking to do. And then, um, looks like he's one out of seven on catch and shoot threes. Um, so, you know, he's not even really shooting many catch and shoot threes. Um, so settling for much, you know, and, and it, it's kind of weird. Like you see this with him off the dribble too. Like it, it seems like he's a guy who at least thinks like he has more rhythm if he's, if he dribbles into a three. Um, mm-hmm. And I could see maybe, on a pull-up three because he so often is short that maybe stepping into it off the dribble could help because then his momentum's going forward. But obviously very few players are better shooting off the dribble than shooting off just the catch. And, you know, like when you're a player who has struggled with consistent mechanics and struggled just making shots, you know, typically you're trying to reduce the number of variables involved. And obviously like, shooting off the dribble yep. is involves more variables than, than just shooting off a catch and shoot. So, yeah, I mean, I don't know. I'm curious what kind of discussions are happening because, you know, we talked about the bucks getting a new, um, you know, new shooting coach with the new, the new staff. Um, and, you know, certainly there's been no, no payoff this far. Um, and again, like a lot of times stuff doesn't necessarily click right away, but, I think the bigger problem is just like, he just doesn't have any confidence shooting. Like he's taking bad math shots over good math shots. And, you know, like it's clearly not an issue of the coaching staff, not wanting to shoot that. Like it's clearly his head, his confidence. That's the problem in terms of his shooting right now. And, you know, again, like ultimately this is what makes Giannis so great is that he's having all these problems and he's still like a top (laughs) two or one MVP candidate right now. Um, (laughs) So I'm, I mean, again, I'm I'm at this point like I don't ever expect Giannis to be a probably even an average three point shooter. Like I just think he's I just don't see it. I don't think he has that kind of touch. Um, but you know, just be thirty one, thirty two percent on a decent volume, and people will guard you differently, right? Um, shooting, and eight. I mean, we saw it. We saw yeah. it at the start of the year. Like we saw it last year. Like, he was thirty one percent last year. He, yeah, he shot over two a game. I mean, it's not like he didn't shoot any last year. Um, yeah. And then in the preseason, he was like four out of 10 and, you know, it seemed like that was the thing that was going to be a thing. And, you know, he just got, and it's, it's hard because he's so good at other stuff. It's like, well, you know, like I get the idea of like, well, I'm not going to jack up five threes a game if I can just go dunk on dude. You know, mm-hmm. It's like when I have the ability to go get easier shots for myself. Um, so on there's a heavy level, medium like, to be found. Yeah, exactly. Right. Exactly. It, the, the, the play that kind of make me, made me the saddest was like tonight there was that play. I think it was in the second half where I think he had missed a jumper and then Millsap is just like sagging way off him and he gets the ball and he like takes a couple of really deliberate dribbles in and just like buries like a 19 or 20 footer. And it's like, yeah, I'm happy he made the shot, but it was just like that You've is been defeated. 
that is the Jason Kidd offense. That is not like yeah. the Mike Budenholzer offense. Like you have a wide open three and you step in because you don't believe that, you know, like you're too in your head to to think that you can hit that. You need to hit a shorter shot, which, you know, again, like, I mean, if you're not going to shoot that, like that's not, you're, you're not going to get out of your slump if you aren't willing to, to occasionally shoot those shots. I mean, shoot or shoot. Yeah. I mean, you're turning yourself into Ben Simmons, you know, I mean, again, like Giannis does shoot mid rangers, like, and again, like he actually hits some, like, especially like post up type stuff, which yep. normally, obviously we're not big fans of those, but you know, credit to him. He did hit some of those tonight, but between that and the, you know, really the free throw, I mean, the free throw shooting is like the baseline, right? Like if Giannis is hitting, hitting his free throws, but like not shooting a lot of threes, like, well, that's a really high floor play, floor player, but like, you know, I don't know. I mean, we've seen him have free throw shooting issues over like a couple games here and there in the past as well. And, you know, obviously he generally comes around from it, but you know, they screwed around with his, with his form. He still takes forever at the line. Um, again, like I, we'll see, right? Like, but it's, it's obviously something that, that, you you hope will improve and again that uh the upside is that it gives him you know really even another level he can reach just by being okay at at those things all right um i don't know that we talked about the clippers game specifically but i don't think that we really need to um i think think the only thing i would say about the clippers game i mean obviously the results sucked um we kind of touched on like some of the performances um I thought it was interesting. We saw first half in the first half, Brooke Lopez coming way out on pick and rolls to like try to like move with point guards and stuff like that, which like typically has been the only do that in the fourth quarter when like you're struggling to stop the pick and roll. Um, so I thought that was interesting because that was to me the to me that was the 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 most divergent thing from all the games that had happened before then. Like we kind of got used to just like oh like the Bucks are just going to play their base defense and you know they want to get drill home that stuff and then at some point they may you know adjust late in games or whatever um but i thought it was interesting they seemed to go to that a lot earlier um and lopez is always kind of the bellwether because he obviously just you know is the least the least oriented towards playing further (laughs) out and coming up the level of screen and trapping and stuff like that um so i thought that was kind of interesting i mean if Giannis does it like whatever it's like Giannis can pretty much defend a pick and roll anyway and he'll be good at it um but uh, I thought that was interesting. Um, I don't know really what it means kind of in the grand scheme of, of the season. Um, but, um, you know, we'll see. I mean, again, like obviously these last couple of games haven't been great ones uh, for the Bucks defense. Um, but, I, I don't, you know, by the same token, like, you know, Clippers are pretty good. Nuggets really good offensively. They should be scoring a lot of points on you and they made a bunch of shots. So, um I'm certainly not going to lose sleep over that. And especially, you know, I think splitting those games, you're pretty happy with it, especially given the competitiveness of those two games. Um, but uh, again, I would have taken two and two coming into this road trip. They get it. They get to kind of come home on a, on a high note. And, you know, now I think you just got to, you know, again, a lot of it's like just managing the, the, the highs and lows and just coming out and um, making sure you play at a high level in that first game back from a road trip, which can sometimes be a little bit of a weird game too. Yeah. Um, Frank, do you know who the top three teams in the Western Conference are currently? Um, I don't have the sayings in front of me and I won't cheat, but I'm guessing it's teams that the Bucks played on their road trip. Whoa, you're so right. The Warriors, Blazers, and Nuggets. The Warriors at 11-2, and two, the Blazers at 10-3, and three, the Nuggets at 9-4. and four. The Clippers are in sixth currently in the Western Conference at 7-5. and five. So, um, you know... 
we we've told people the entire year like i mean you can keep trying to say that the bucks aren't playing people but i think your your arguments fall apart pretty quickly when you when you really look at it because oh uh frank do you happen to know who in the eastern conference are the top four teams the bucks are at number two do you know the other three sorry what, what was the question eastern conference top three teams that are not the milwaukee bucks uh Toronto's ahead of them, and is Bo- I know Boston lost tonight, but is Boston still third? They're not. Okay, who's who's third? So Toronto twelve and one, the Bucks at ten and three, the Philadelphia 76ers at eight and six, the Indiana Pacers at eight and six, and now hmm, now who's at number five? Oh, the Charlotte Hornets seven and six, and number six, oh, the Boston Celtics at seven and six, and then if I go to number seven, oh, the Detroit Pistons, huh? Seems like I just named off a whole lot of the Bucks opponents thus far. Oh, it's because I did. I did. The, the, the Bucks have played a very tough schedule uh, to this point. Maybe not the, the tough schedule that people would have expected uh, because a number of those teams are, are maybe surprise teams or, or better, or maybe the Sixers were struggling at the time and the Bucks played them, or uh, Kawhi was out on the same night that Giannis was out. Like, all of those things, fine, whatever. I will allow you to have those qualifiers, but you know the Bucks have have put up this ten and three record against some good basketball teams. So um, that was just one thing I wanted to note before we left because you know I, I do think uh, there's always this desire to poke holes in uh, exactly what the Bucks have done to this point, and you know try to kind of downplay uh, how significant ten and three is through thirteen games. And you know if if you're a Bucks fan. Get excited about it. I'll let you do it. I'm okay with it. Uh, go for it. And, and, the and, and then and the flip side of that difficult schedule is the next 10 games. Like I was looking at the next 10 games. I mean, I think the Bucks are going to be favored in pretty much every game, I'm guessing. Um, Grizzlies, Bulls, Nuggets, Blazers, those two, maybe not. Um, at home, well, at home, they're going to be favored. They're at home. Yeah, they'll be favored. Uh, Phoenix, San Antonio, at Charlotte, uh Versus the Bulls, Knicks, and Pistons before seeing the Golden State Warriors again on December seventh. So, yeah, that's that's ten games where you know you can get pretty fat, get pretty fat and pretty happy uh, against against those squads. So uh, we'll see if the Bucks can do that. So that'll be it for us for tonight. Bucks win one twenty one one fourteen against the Denver Nuggets. They lost one twenty eight one twenty six in overtime to the Clippers on Saturday. Those are the two games that. We were unable to get to you or talk about before or after, excuse me, after our final, our last episode. So we are all caught up and we will be back and ready to go for the Grizzlies on Wednesday. That means we'll have a day in here where we can talk about some general things and other ideas. One I think we're going to talk about is probably Pat Connaughton taking Dante DiVincenzo's spot in the rotation. I'm pretty sure that happened. Um, but we can we can talk about it and see if for sure Connaughton 18 minutes tonight, DiVincenzo just 13. I think he played more in the Clippers game as well. So Shout out to we can talk a little Pat bit. Connaughton with three blocks tonight. How about that? He was great. He, he just does stuff. And then on top of doing things, he shoots 40% from three, unlike Dante DiVincenzo, <laughs> who shoots 25% from three. Um, so uh, we can talk a little bit more about that in the coming days. Maybe we can talk a little bit more about Giannis. Uh, we can talk a little bit. Ursan was bad this weekend. Maybe we'll talk a little bit about that. Um, but sh- surely plenty of things to talk about. So we'll do all that in the coming days. So for Frank Madden, I'm Eric Name. This has been Lockdown Bucks. We'll talk to you tomorrow.